Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I would like for everyone to try something with me this morning. Take out your purse or your wallet and grab the first bill that comes to you. It can be a dollar bill or $20 or even $100. Now, if you see that your neighbor doesn't have anything to use, most, most of the time I myself don't carry cash on me, go ahead and share a dollar or whatever you have with them so they can participate too. Alright? Good? Are we all ready? What is that thing you are holding? Well, the simple answer is the currency of the United States that is legal tender for trade and commerce in this country. And that would be a right answer. But nothing in this world is that simple, and everything is multi-sided and multi-complex. Let's see if we can break down some of those complexities. First, what we are holding in our hands is a tool used to meet some of our basic needs. Many of us go to the grocery store and purchase food, vegetables, fruit, breads, meats, perhaps even water and the occasional soda. And unless the store is feeling very generous, before we leave the market, we have a transaction that occurs. The cashier tallies out how much we owe, and we open our wallets and pay, either by giving them this dollar or a substitute for it, a check or a credit card. But we also require clothing. Not only because modesty and society demands that we keep parts of our bodies covered, but the elements of this world can be harsh on us. So we wear clothes to protect us from the sun. Other times of the year, we wear clothes to provide warmth and protection from the cold. Some people, because of their occupation, must purchase clothes designed to help them and keep them safe. Think about the heavy shirts and gloves that welders wear, or the sterilized medical clothing that doctors and nurses wear. And we usually have to purchase our clothes. So we save money, buy a new pair of shoes or pants or shirts, and we, once again, pay for something we need. Another necessity is that of shelter. Some of us live in elaborate houses, while others may live in a small apartment. But the basic need is met. Consider the homeless and how they sometimes live under bridges or in doorways, and sometimes down alleys or in boxes. And they try to fulfill their basic need of shelter. But the homeless have the same problem that we all do. Sheltering costs money. Some of us have mortgages to buy for shelter. Others have a monthly rental fee that we pay. Some of us might own our home, but we still have the tax to pay if we want to keep our home. All of this requires, once again, money to fulfill our need. And 
to satisfy someone or some institution who is requiring payment. So, look at your dollar bill. What do you see now? Well, it is something that provides security. It is something that makes living our life a little easier. It is something that, frankly, helps keep us alive and in good health, and helps to have a few of our basic needs met. But there is more to it than that. Money can also be destructive to us, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money can make society more and more class and status driven. This person is worth a million dollars. This other one is worth ten million dollars. And by setting up this false narrative of worth, we make Bill Gates and Warren Buffett the most important people in the world. In actuality, our very vocabulary exposes the lie. We are not worth any form of currency, for we are all priceless and of great worth to God. And we all should look at our neighbors the same way too. We begin to put a price on the very life of a person. We ascribe them worth by how wealthy they are. Status is the important thing. Money can also be used to feed our souls things that are not healthy. Usually, we call these addictions. From alcohol, drugs, and pornography, to gluttony, and the high we get from gambling, or thrill-seeking to excess. Now, some of these are well and good. We must eat. But, do we eat to excess? It's nice to have a glass of wine with dinner, but do we need to begin drinking when we first wake up in the morning? The human body is a wondrous thing indeed, but it ceases to be that when the person in that body is exploited and becomes nothing more than an object to sate our sexual desires and is no longer do we seek to have experiences that cultivate relationships with friends and family, or are we always after that next expensive thrill, like purchasing a sports car we can't ever dream of paying off, just so we can say that we have it? As the society that forms the United States of America, we also use our money to contribute to the finances that run this country. And the way that our nation spends that money also contributes and shapes the social fabric of our lives. Now, there are many things that government does for us that is well, good, and beneficial to all of us. Just think about the roads we travel on, 
or the banking system that we use that is relatively secure. Then there is also the common defense of our country. I think we can all agree that we live in relative safety. There are local police forces, judges, prosecutors, all who contribute, all who we contribute to their living by the taxes we pay. And they all aid in keeping our society fair, just, and law-abiding, at least most of the time. But we also have to take a serious look at where some of our funding goes and ask if there is a better for example, just last year alone, in 2019, the United States spent $35.4 billion on its nuclear defenses. And it is projected that in the next decade, that an additional $494 billion more, or about $50 billion more each year, will be spent to maintain our arsenal. When we, look at the, when we look at the total cost from 1940 until 1996, that cost was $5.5 trillion spent on the nuclear program. Now, I'm not suggesting that the deterrent of weapons didn't keep us safe during the Cold War. I am not suggesting that these weapons have not been a necessary evil. But what I am suggesting is that in the brokenness of our world, we have left so many American citizens, as well as Russian, Iranians, and many others we consider to be our enemies, in abject poverty because of our arms race particularly our nuclear arms race. Imagine if that same $5.5 trillion had been spent on something different, like medical research, education standards, helping farmers to develop more economically efficient and less environmentally damaging farming methods. Think about all the bread we could have supplied to the world. Think about the $494 billion that is projected to be spent over the next 10 years. Stewardship, as I said last week, is about putting everything in right order. Look at this bill you're holding. What is its good and noble use. How do you put it in right order? Yes, you buy food, clothing, and shelter. Yes, you buy some things to have joy in this life. Yes, you pay your taxes and contribute to the common good of society. But first, we must determine the role of money in our lives and ask, is this paper a source of idolatry in my life? Go 
Rub it on your face, on your arms. Be like Scrooge McDuck and imagine swimming in dollars and coins. You've earned this money by the sweat of your brow. You've worked for years to accumulate it. You've watched your bank account to the degree you know exactly how much money you have today. You wonder how to get more and how to pay less. And we all are afraid from time to time about losing our money in a bad financial deal or by having our wallet stolen. Now, we in the church have a term, and it is called the tithe. A tithe is giving a portion of your income, not your wealth, mind you, but your income to God. And a tithe is rather specific. I think we as Episcopalians, because we don't want to offend, we worry about talking about this because it might seem rude. But we must talk about it. A tithe is 10% of your income. Why 10%? Why not 2 or 5 or 7.5? Why 10? First, it makes you stop and consider everything in your life. If I have earned $100 today and God demands 10, then what do I do with the other 90? How do I make it work? Second, it is the beginning of putting everything into right order. In my first sermon that I preached here in July, I said that we must strive to always put God first in all things. Taking 10% straight off the top of your income is a way of putting God first in all all things. Lastly, it is a self-check. Who or what do I love more? Do I love God more than money? Do I love God more than the total acquisition of wealth? Do I love God more than a portrait of George Washington Benjamin Franklin. Rendering unto Caesar and rendering unto God is a both-and question. Yes, we pay our taxes and our bills and our mortgage, but we must also render to God those things that are His as well. In the long run, is a dime out of every dollar going to cripple us? don't think so, but I also don't know your individual needs. Tithing becomes a spiritual discipline in which we learn to put those things that we possess into right order for the working of the kingdom of God. It also guides us to the understanding that all we possess is a gift from God. Our money, income, our possessions are all God's already.
these next few weeks, I encourage you to sit down with some intention. Look at all the things your household buys. Is there a place that we can chip away? Not just for the saving of money, but because some of these purchases are getting in the way of your relationship with God. It might be a Hulu or Netflix account. Perhaps it is a magazine subscription that you never read. I, myself, recently realized that I have several subscriptions to newspapers that I never read, and that those funds could be put to better use. And then, see what God is calling you into with the stewardship of your income. Now, don't think I'm telling everyone to jump into the water headfirst and start tithing 10% of your income. This is something you must take the time to discern. And like all disciplines, you must work into. Also, don't think I'm telling you, especially those who live on pensions and retirement accounts, to give so much that you live in abject poverty. That is not what a tithe is a calling to either. What I am asking you to do is to think about stewardship as a means of living into a fuller life and rendering back to God those things that are God's already and to use all that we have to the greater glory of God and to the furthering of His kingdom here on earth. So this morning, I invite you to step out of your comfort zone. Just take one small step. That dollar that you have in your hand. I invite you to start thinking about how it can be put to the use of the work of the church. An easy step would be to drop it in the offering plate when our ushers bring it forward in a little Another step would be to dedicate it to a ministry that is important to you, like our food pantry or one of our diocesan endeavors. Take this one item and begin to figure out how to put it in right order. And this is how we both ask and answer the question, what does being a steward